there's a question that we all need to be able to answer in the affirmative, and it's this. Am I devoted to the church? They devoted themselves through thick or thin, in good times, in bad times, when it's hard and when it costs me something, I'm taking responsibility for the health of this church. We're glad you're with us today for Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Last week, Pastor Trent introduced us to the doctrine of the church and answered the question, what is the church? Today, Pastor Trent will finish the message with answers to two more questions about the church. Why does it exist? And what are the marks of a healthy church? Listen with me as Pastor Trent identifies 10 things that we should look for in a healthy church. What is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? Turn over to Acts chapter 14. As you're doing that, let me give you the definition we're going to use. The mission of the church is this. The church exists for the unique purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. It is the only organization that has the mission and the message to accomplish making disciples. You understand that? We have God's mission, we have God's message, and we have God's power. And we ought to, where we can, alleviate suffering in the world, especially eternal suffering. That is the only, the the church has the only message that can relieve eternal suffering. So that's what we give ourselves to, making disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Do you want to see it here in Acts chapter 14? What do they do? What do they do? How do you get that done? How did the church accomplish its mission? Acts chapter 14, look at verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to the city, and notice how what happens after you preach the gospel, and made many disciples. You know, just stop right there. Do you understand? The most powerful tool that the church has to make disciples is the unapologetic preaching of the gospel. What's the mission of the church? It's to make disciples. How does the church make disciples? By preaching the gospel. We've got to get the gospel right, and we've got to get the gospel out. And when we do that, God gets involved in the mission. And God makes the disciples. And then, notice it says, they returned to three places. That's not insignificant. Where did they go? They went to their three local congregations. Every New Testament church was a local New Testament church. One in Lystra, one in Iconium, and one in Antioch. And notice, they didn't just preach the gospel. Verse 22, what else did they do? They strengthened the souls of the disciples. Why? Because the souls of disciples sometimes get really weak and they need to be strengthened. So we get involved personally in soul care. I'm concerned about what's going on in your soul and 
and what you're thinking and what you're feeling and the pressure that you're under. And I want to strengthen you in the middle of that. And I'm not just interesting in, interested in making an admirer of Jesus. I'm interested in making a disciple of Jesus. That's a lifelong process because the souls of disciples are weak and they need to be strengthened. And not only strengthening, but encouraging them to continue in the faith. Why? Because sometimes we doubt. Is this worth it? And I watch the news and I see what's happening and I'm like, this is, it's just, I just don't know if I believe that there's a good God that cares about any of this. And so what do we do? We encourage one another to continue in the faith, the faith in what you once believed. You re-believe every time you hear the preaching of the gospel. Not only that, but saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. If you had a rough week, if your bank account is near zero, if your cholesterol is high, if your kids are out of control, and your wife really is ugly, <laughs> and your husband is brutal with his words, here's the good news. God cares and loves you enough that he has a kingdom waiting for you when you will be glorified, your brutal husband will be glorified, your wife will be glorified, your children who are out of control will be glorified, and we're going to make it through the persecutions of this life because this world is broken and we're all flawed and we all have scars and we're going to make it through. I do not know what those of you who sporadically come to church do through the week. It's bad out there. It's, do you watch the news? I can't watch the news. There's good news. And what's going to remind you of the good news? It's the mission of the church to encourage and strengthen and to say to one another, we're going to make it through the tribulations and we're not living as citizens of the kingdom of this world. We are waiting a better citizenship, a better kingdom because we are part of the church. And who helps us get that message right? Next verse, verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. How many churches are there? There's one church. But there are local expressions of that church. Every church needs elders appointed with prayer and fasting. And I love this. And they, the elders, committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the elders throw up their hands and say, like, man, I'm, I'm so weak and I'm the one that needs to be encouraged. And, and yet it's my responsibility to, 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 to comfort and encourage and remind these people. And so, Lord, we're just going to commit them all back to you. You gave them to us. We're going to commit them back to you. That's the mission of the church. Here's the last question. What are the marks of a healthy church? What are the marks of a healthy church? I, I, I meet people every Sunday that come and they say, it's my first Sunday and we're looking for a church. And I always say, I can, I can recommend one. And, 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 and if you're looking for a church, you should be looking for these 10 things. Now, you can put them in a lot of different buckets. I found 10 buckets. My heart was so full this week. As I saw these 10 things in Scripture... And then I measured them, I measured our church against those 10 things. And, and I was in tears this week 
that I have the privilege of being a member of a healthy church. And I thought about so many of you that make this church healthy because you're healthy and you've embraced what these things are all about. Now, before I show you these 10 things, I want to challenge you with something, okay? As you examine these things, every time I list one of these, I want you to ask a question. Actually, three questions. Am I benefiting from this church? Now, the universal answer to that is yes. If you are here this morning, you are benefiting from this church. And long before you ever walked through the doors, there were people that prayed that this church would exist when it didn't exist They prayed and they gave so that there would be a building and an address for you to come to when there wasn't a building. Second question, am I participating in the church? Now, at this level, you'd have to say you actually do something other than just take up space, right? You you would actually have to say, well, you know, I, I prayed for this church or I served in children's ministry, or I threw in the offering one Sunday. You participating in, or are you just benefiting from? But there's there's a question that we all need to be able to answer in the affirmative, and it's this. Am I devoted to the church? Do you remember what the word was? They devoted themselves. You know what that means? through thick or thin, in good times, in bad times, when it's hard and when it costs me something, I'm taking responsibility for the health of this church. Quite honestly, we can tell the people who are devoted to the church by the way they choose their pronouns when they talk about the church. Do you use the pronouns they are building that building. They need to pave that parking lot. They need to fix the air conditioning because it's hot in here this morning. Have you thought that? Or have you said, we are building that building. We need to fix that air conditioning. We need to write a check so that we can pay the air conditioner repairman to come and fix it. Are you benefiting from or are you devoted to the church? I want you to ask that as we go through these 10 things. First mark of a healthy church is a regenerate membership. Again, we have found that the best church members are Christians. So how do you make a Christian? You do what Peter did in Acts chapter 2. He preached the gospel and he said to them, repent. By the way, if you go to church for very long, you don't hear the word repent. You need a better church. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized and were added to the church about 3,000 people. I think the church is too big. You wouldn't have enjoyed this church. It was a mega church. The first church was a mega church. All right? So... How do we know who's in and who's out? There are some grids. We talked about some of those and some of the things that we ask you to do. Is if you want to be a member of our church, we ask you to kind of give some evidence that you have been regenerate. Tell us your conversion story. 
And if you can't articulate a conversion story, we would have to conclude that you don't have a conversion. If you don't have a conversion story, you don't have a conversion. Now, we can get you a story. This is the great news. How do you get one? Repent! That's how you get a, re a conversion story. And then after you've repented, you express that publicly by being baptized. And if you're not willing to be baptized, then we would say, well, I'm not quite sure you're really serious about being devoted to the things that we're devoted to. So when you are able to do that, then you are added to the church. And people sometimes say, well, I don't really see church membership. You know, Well, somehow they knew who the 3,000 were. And they were not the 3,000 who didn't receive the word and didn't get baptized. There was a, they, they didn't have a church database, I'm sure, but somebody knew we're responsible for these people. So a regenerate membership. Here's the second mark of a healthy church, and that is qualified leadership. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and 29 says, pay careful attention to yourselves. And so the apostle Paul is, is now writing to the church in Ephesus. He's, he's preaching to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking to the leadership. And he says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Isn't that interesting? Before a leader can pay careful attention to the flock, he has to pay careful attention to himself because you're not qualified to pay attention to the flock unless you have some spiritual health of your own. So you become qualified when you first pay attention to yourselves, and then you can pay attention to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The word overseers is a very important word in the Scriptures. It identifies church leadership. And in the, the New Testament, when you see church leadership, you always find a plurality of men who are called to lead the church. Always without exception, and they are given the responsibility of seeing for the care, the nurture of the church, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's how precious this church is. He spilled his blood for this church. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So what's Paul saying? I've been leading. Now I'm leaving. So it's time for qualified men to come because if you are not raised up in leadership, other people will begin to lead. The problem is they're wolves who like to eat churches. And the leadership of this church, the elders and the pastors of this church are to protect the flock, namely from unbiblical teaching, false doctrine. Now notice... Who, who raises up these men? The Holy Spirit makes us overseers. Third mark of a healthy church is biblical authority. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you. The first step in the death of a church is the loss of biblical authority. Now, when you come to Harvest Bible Chapel, those of you that are new, um, you might get your toes stepped on. As a matter of fact, the lady, she saw me this morning, she's come two weeks, she said, you're stepping on my toes. I'm like, lady, I am aiming for your whole leg, okay? Because it, it is not about you and me, all right? It is about you and God. 
and I'm just the messenger, all right? I don't write the message, I just deliver it, okay? I'm not the author, I'm, I'm, I'm not in manufacturing, I am in distribution. So you, you may not agree with what you hear me say, but my prayer is that when you leave, you will have no doubt what was said, all right? You may leave here like, I don't like what he said, but I don't want anybody leaving and say, I'm not quite sure what he was trying to say, all right? We're just going to say it the way that God said it. You say, well, it's not culturally relevant, and it's not politically correct. I'm just like, I, I'm not trying to be either of those. I'm trying to be biblically faithful. Number four is this, vertical worship. The very first verse I ever preached at Harvest Bible Chapel on February the 8th, 2009, was this verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. To Him be glory in the church. For whom does the church exist? A lot of people would say, well, the church doesn't exist for us. It exists for the world. No. The church exists for God. He wants glory out of this church. So what's our responsibility? It is to give Him glory. When we come together as the gathered, assembled, called out people, we come to give, not to get. We come to give Him glory. If you're doing your job right, what's happening is there is glory going up. And do you know what happens to a people who are committed to glory going up to Jesus? Jesus gets committed to His glory coming down. And His presence is among us and we sense Him in a way that we didn't sense Him at breakfast with the kids at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. Yeah, He was there too, but it's like we're gathered together for the purpose of worship. People say, well, you got to be sensitive to people that come because you might offend them they may not come back. They're coming back. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, 1 Corinthians 14 says this, though. If we do our job right, if we say what God wants us to say, that's prophecy. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, <laughs> he got no chance. He is convicted by all. He's called into account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare God is really among you. Never been to a church like this. Man, I've been to churches, but man, I sent something in there that I didn't... You know what that was? That was glory. Why? Because we were committed to giving glory up. God became committed to bringing glory down because we're committed to vertical worship. Number five, disciplined holiness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, he's writing to a church, right? In the family. You got a, you got a crazy brother. Got a disobedient brother. What do you do with a disobedient brother? If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. So here's the thing. At times we're all disobedient. We don't get this thing right. It's not a perfect church. So what do we do when a brother in our church is caught in sin. We are committed not to ignore that sin, not to hope it gets better, but to go to that brother and in a spirit of gentleness create a structure around him that says, you need to do this, 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 and this because we want you to be in the place of God's blessing. Now, some of you say, well, that's church discipline. That's correct. We're committed to church discipline. It's one of the roles of an elder around here is church discipline. But please understand what that is. Discipline begins as soon as you walk in the door. We call it biblical soul care. It's 
an intentional community that's committed to the things that we just said, biblical authority and the atmosphere in here and the preaching and we get the gospel right. And you go to the small group and we open up the word and you tell me what you're struggling with. And like, well, did you know the Bible says this? And, and so then it goes to a preventive discipleship. Now we're meeting one-on-one and we're talking about our lives and we're accountable to one another and we're transparent. We unzip. And then if there's still problems, there's intensive counseling. Now, let me tell you, as the pastor of this church, do you know what happens? People get in sin, they cover it, they try to get free of it on their own, pretty soon they get hopeless enough to find the church phone number, and they call and they say, I need counseling. And you know what we say? Um, Have you been coming to church? We haven't seen you in a while. No, I really haven't been coming. Are you in a small group? No, never really got hooked up in a small group but you want counseling. You just bypassed all the preventative maintenance we offered. You really don't need counseling. You need community. People that need counseling need counseling because they don't have community. People who need counseling don't have friends enough that love them enough to come around them and speak truth to them. Well, this is an environment where we get that done all the time just because of who we are as the church. We are called out, we are gathered in, and we are sent to. So we have biblical soul care. Number six, intentional alignment. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are how many bodies? One body. So it is with Christ. Everything we do around here, we are to do together. We are pulling on the same side of the rope. We're not pulling against each other. We have to come and lay our personal agendas down, even if it's our little pet ministry, intentional alignment, because we are one body. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. The eye cannot say to the hand. I love this verse. If you like sarcastic humor, it's in the Bible. There's a talking eye in this verse that apparently is talking to a hand that has ears who can hear Him say, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. So what we're saying is this. We need all of us together aligned under the qualified leadership and moving in the same direction to accomplish the one mission God has given us to make disciples. Number seven, spirit-empowered service. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but it's the same spirit. There is a variety of service. But there's the same Lord. There are varieties of activities. But there's the same God who empowers them all in every one. The only way we're going to do this without killing ourselves is to have God fill us up so He can send us out. Number eight, gospel-driven evangelism. The verse that wrecked my life as a 16-year-old was Acts 20, verse 24. The reason I am standing here on a Sunday morning in Granger, Indiana, of all places, is because as a 16-year-old, God would not turn me loose of this verse. 
I do not account my life as any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And God has given you a, man, a ministry to testify of the gospel. It doesn't just happen when the dude is standing up in church on Sunday in the lights preaching with PowerPoint. It happens when you go to algebra class and when you go to your cubicle and when you shop at Walmart and you got to get the gospel beyond the four walls of this church. The unafraid witness of God's people. Number nine, loving compassion. Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity, we don't always have opportunity. But as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, even that cruddy neighbor even that belligerent boss, even that student I sit next to in algebra. Yeah, do good to that guy too. We're to love God and love people, even the people that are the most unlovable. We're to do good to everyone, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. We need to be good to one another too, but we've got to get the compassion and the love out from here. And then finally, dependent prayer. At this point, after nine things that make a healthy church, this would make me exhausted and give up if it wasn't for the fact that I realized that the resources do not belong to me. I've got to get them somewhere else. We get it through prayer. Acts 6, 4. We will... What's that verse? Devote. Not benefit from. Not participate in. But devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That means that we're going to say no to a lot of good things so that we can say yes to the main things. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, this is your church, and by your grace, it is alive, it is healthy, it is growing. Lord, you love your church. And we're the first ones to go on record to say that sometimes we are so ugly. And you are so much, so much more worthy of a beautiful bride. And yet we believe the promise that you are in the process of washing us with the water of your word. One day you will present us perfect as your bride to your father. So Lord, would you encourage us strengthen our souls this morning? Would you remind us that the tribulations that we're about to head back into are just the stage to the kingdom that we will one day enter? And God, would you raise up a church that is so alive and so healthy and so powerful that the world could not ignore that there is a God who loves His church? Well, thanks for joining us today for Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We'd like to share with you some exciting news for our listeners in Berrien County, Michigan. Harvest Granger is part of a family of church planning churches, and we're getting ready to launch a campus near you. If you live in Berrien County and would like to hear more, we invite you to one of our vision meetings. 
For details, send us an email at resonate at harvestgranger.org and let us know you're interested. We'd also like to invite you to one of our weekly worship services, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're located on Hickory Road in Granger, Indiana, just north of Cleveland Road. Well, we're so glad that you've been with us today, and I pray that God's Word will resonate in your heart and in your mind this week. Resonate is a ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.